Good morning, Edgewater Christian Fellowship. I can almost see you. We got some lights. There we go. I need to see your faces because it's been so long. And actually, I've been here for a month and I haven't even been able to say hi to most of you. So I'm so sorry. But as I look around, hi. Um, I'm going to, I'm that guy, by the way. Um, I've been teleported here from Africa to give you a message. And my prayer is that it's a, an encouraging, affirming, motivating message for you. Not necessarily missions or especially Africa. This is for you. And so I, before I continue, before I get into introducing myself and tell stories, I want to lay a scripture, a foundation that I can build on. So grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Philippians. Bibles, cell phones, iPads. This is America. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. And it says, I eagerly, this is Paul speaking, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or by death. Now, this is, this is, this is Paul, the apostle, you know, super missionary speaking, he's talking about himself, and he's talking to a group of people like you, they're Christians, the Philippi, and it would be as if me coming to you, the Edgewaterites, to give you a message and say, hey, look, guys, here I am, this is my body, and I want to magnify Jesus Christ at me, so look at me. So if in your Bible, mine, I'm using the New King James, mine says, Christ will be exalted in my body. Yours might say magnified, might be glorified, might be looked at or zoomed in on. And when I looked at the word magnified and did a, did a word study on it, there was a Greek word that said megalunthasatai, megalunthasatai, if you can say it quickly enough. And it was cool because every syllable within that word has a meaning, and it basically says that when you examine something, you look at its deepest features, its details. And you and I, as much of an image as we have, we have features and we have details that can be magnified outward. But sometimes our features are deep, dark, sort of secretive things, things that Paul is saying, I want you to look at me closely, under a microscope, look at my particles, my edges, everything about me, and I want that to magnify who you are, not just my outward appearance, sure, because you guys look beautiful, by the way, and, and sure, if you were to magnify who you are right now, you know, you, you, you got it spot on, beautiful people. What he's talking about is what's inside of us, the characteristics, are attributes of who we are deep, deep, deep within, I want that sort of Christ-like image for other people to see. Amen? Okay, by the way, <clears throat> I'm from Africa, and uh, in Africa, and actually a lot of the world, when you agree with someone, what do you say? Glenn Litwiller? Amen. Right? You say amen. And so without, throughout this message, I've been Afri in Africa for four and a half years, I need you guys to make me feel comfortable up here, speaking to a bunch of beautiful white faces. I need you to make me feel comfortable. If you agree with anything, you say what? Amen. Amen. A little bit louder. 
Okay, there's a lot of people here. So, you and I are to magnify this Christ, and he talks about it. It's almost a battle that's going on within him, and we're going to talk about it. But when you examine yourself or have the opportunity to, or make the decision to, you typically ask yourself, who am I? That's what I would ask myself. Like, who am I really? You know, I, I kind of understand what I like to do and my job maybe or, or my friends or my family, but who am I deep, deep down to the point where God has created me with some pretty, pretty special stuff? How do I use that for his kingdom or how do people see me? If you were to ask someone, who, who are they? Who, who are you? Who are they? Who, are, who am I? Well, these guys, they all know me as a, the fish farmer. I'm Mzungu, which means white guy. Mzungu Jason, the fish farmer. Or they call me Musumba. Musumba's the pastor. But usually, I'm a fish farmer, and that's who I am. I don't have a problem with that. Actually, I, I enjoy that. And when I, but, but even more than that, when I have to ask myself, who am I? Sure, I'm this fish farmer, but I have a, I have a wife. I have kids. I have a job. I have a I have a, day, a time where I wake up and go to bed, and in between that time shows and reveals who I am and what I do and how Christ is in my life. Amen? Amen? This is how you and I go through life together. Now, I say that because I've been 9,000 miles away with my family for four and a half years, but I am a part of your body. Did you know that? I'm over there. Now, I left, when I left, I didn't say, ah, I'm going to leave that Edgewater or, you know, separate or this wasn't a divorce. It wasn't this bad thing. And it was a good thing because now I'm an extension of you. Now, I want to explain that because some of you might not understand. Maybe you don't even know who I am, but I want to know what God has been doing. I want to tell you what God has been doing with you 9,000 miles away. Do you see that fish farm? Do you know that you built that fish farm? Do you know that you built that house? That money has come from the body. We have a really cool group of leaders here who, who take it serious to lay the money down before the Lord and say, Lord, what can we do? Well, I'm, I'm so happy that they're pretty radical in saying, let's go pour into 350 houses in, in this vill- small, dark village of Chirugu, Uganda. So we put, you guys put this fish farm there. You saw those kids. The fish are feeding those kids. Amen. Thank you. We live in a community there, and the community is so different, and it's hard for me to describe, but if you can imagine having a home that's six feet you know, in diameter and having mud walls and a thatched roof and the sun coming up at seven and going down at seven, 365 days a year, it can be difficult in specific times, especially throughout the day. So there was a time when a team came over and they saw what I had done with a handful of solar lights. We put them in homes where people really needed them. And it was such a benefit because we could go in and we could explain to them that how they could use the light, but what the light really meant for them and who they are and how the light could shine our Savior and King in their life and the people around them. And we had Glenn Litwiller come over and he saw it and he came back and he fought not fought, but he, 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 he was so excited about what was happening over there. He said, hey, we need to get them more solar lights. You guys 
provided $9,000 to put a solar light in 350 homes. It was, it, I, I, and I get, I get excited or emotional about it because it's so awesome. It's bigger than, than I can explain to you sitting in this you know, beautiful school. You go there in this place at 7 p.m., walk the, the village, and you have all of your solar lights inside these people's homes where they're reading the Bible, where they're studying, where they get to hang out with their families. It's the coolest thing. And, and I get to see it firsthand, so thank you for allowing me to see it firsthand, but it's your money. That's how the body moves and works. And here we, we, you know, we get so worried about money and dollar, dollar amounts and talking numbers. God is so much bigger than numbers, amen? amen. And we were, we were so skeptical that something like that could even happen. And so many people, including the Ugandans, said that fish farm would fail and not succeed because it was so different to them. But I'm here to tell you that God used your money for his kingdom, and he's doing incredible things. Amen? Amen. Now, because, because you and I are all the same, when I say we're a bar, part of the same body, we also think the same. We also, you know, we're all breathing, hearts beating. We all, we're all people, humanity. And we, as a body, we have to deal with people. People in our lives, going to work, your neighbors, coming to church, whatever it is, going to the store, you're dealing with people, and people are hard, amen? People are downright difficult. It's not just a Rogue Valley thing. People are difficult across the planet. Um, you know, I, I, one guy told me one time, and it stuck with me, was, you know, life is hard, but as, life is a lot harder when you're stupid, and it really, if you get down to the nuts and bolts of life, it, it is, because some people just make dumb, dumb decisions. And here we are supposed to, supposed to love on all of these people, and it can be hard. And then you have these circumstances that are around you, like our corporate prayer, man. Sometimes that, it just, it's so hard to understand that so many people are going through so many medical trials in their lives that they didn't ask for aren't necessarily self-inflicted, but they're the situation that they're in. In Uganda, we have these roads we have to drive on, and they're just horrible roads. They're, they're riddled with potholes, and they're just really bad, and the traffic is bad. And my wife drives this van, and the van is, is a Toyota Hiace. It was made for the tarmac roads of Tokyo, Japan, but it is in Africa. And she has to, you know, we hit these potholes and it feels like the suspension's gonna pop off and it's just super difficult and you have to make a lot of repairs. And pretty soon you get pretty used to the potholes. You get used to, you know, what's going on in your life, but then some days those potholes just feel like they're two feet deep. They're so deep and they do such an impact on your life and your car. And, and that's the sort of situations we get ourselves in where, sure, it, it might not even be really that bad from an outsider look in, but looking in, but to you, man, life is hard right now. Life just is so difficult. I'm ready to give in. I'm ready to give up. And a lot of times what happens is we start to examine ourselves or our situations, our potholes, if you will. We examine our potholes. And we say, you know what, that's not so bad. I've seen worse. I've seen people get, go through worse. I've seen what God has brought me through. Now I'm willing to work on what we're gonna read here. We're gonna read, uh, we're first gonna read, uh, the, we're gonna continue in verse 21. So in verse 21, very simple verse says, for me, 
to, I'm sorry, yeah, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So what happens here is a lot of times we have this life that we're living because that, that, that verse is fairly dramatic. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And if you want to memorize a verse, there you go. That's about as simple as they get. Throw it on your fridge, bumper sticker, whatever you got to do to remember it. But it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a very serious verse because you can split it into two and to live is Christ. It depends on who, that, that, that's you and how you examine yourself which will affect our body and the extensions of who you are. And we have some pretty phenomenal people that I know about in the Rogue Valley, brothers and sisters that have built me up and equipped me and prayed for me and done phenomenal things. And one of those guys, you guys might know him, his name is Clyde Burquist. Clyde Burquist in this community is this, is this stallion of a guy, and he just happens to be one of my best buddies, and he is a missionary to his core, like, you know, he went to Brazil, he came back, he's still a missionary, he has this mission mindset, it's in his blood, it's like in his nucleus, it's who God made him to be, he loves people. So he had some, he had some time off from work, and so he got dressed up, and he said, you know what, I want to go down to the men's re- gospel rescue mission, I want to see what those guys are doing. We'll see how they're, you know, what they're up to, how they're being treated, what their addictions are like. So he got dressed up, he put his backpack on, he went to the front desk there, if you've ever been there, and he says, hey, my name's Matt Heverly. I, I have this uh, addiction with ice cream. And they let him in the door. He got in there, and he started rubbing elbows with all of the people within mission, the, the mission there. Next, next thing you know, he's teaching the chapel, He's cooking in the kitchen. He's just loving on these guys. And now he's the men's coordinator for the men's gospel rescue mission. And he never, you know, intended that to happen. It's just, that's how God works. When you find out who you are by examining, God is going to start to magnify these attributes in you that create tremendous opportunity in your life. And sometimes we don't really even know what we want. Like, if you were to examine yourself, you want to write it down. I know Americans really like to make their, you know, PowerPoints and everything else. If you did something on you, in there you would probably have all the things that you like to do. Or your bucket list. The things that you want to do in life. And one thing I want to do is swim with the great white sharks and just seems super cool to do one day. But... To do that, and to, to, to God, you can look at all your desires, right? Everything that you want to do, your bucket list, and God is going to say, ah, I know you so much more and so much better than what your list is showing. I can add and take away. I can modify. I can look at your deepest desires, and I know what really makes you happy. Because you, th- I think, oh, if I just go swim with the sharks, I'll be, I'll be this guy. I'll be, you know... Um, and and he's, he's saying, no, man, I know what you really, 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 really need. I know what's really going in, on inside of you. But a lot of times we don't know until we sit down, we take the time, we be still, and we know God is God. And once we do that, once we realize, you know, this living that we're going through, this pilgrimage, this time of spending uh, our time on earth with God, this, this, you know, sometimes awkward and weird relationship that we had. But once we understand it, once we wrap our head around it, once we have a relationship with it, then we can do things that are big and bold and things that get us out of our comfort zone. 
Because what I've noticed with humanity, it's not, a, it's not a Rogue Valley thing, is that when we want to do something or when God speaks to us and we feel like we're called to do it, there is th- this sliver of fear that will seep into our lives. And that fear prevents us from doing things for his kingdom. If you're out in the store, you know, Fred Meyer, Costco, God forbid you go to Walmart, if you go there and God says, hey, you know what, that lady with those kids, she's having a hard day, she just needs to hear that God loves her. That's it. But that means that you need to get out of your comfort zone. That means you cannot be afraid, you cannot be ashamed, like, like Paul is talking about here, but you're gonna be bold and have courage to go talk to this person. We don't wanna do that. We like to be comfortable. And if there is any fear that seeps in, we will sugarcoat the comfort. Now this is not, I'm not beating you guys up because I do it too and it's a, it's a thing that we all go through. But what happens is we are told by God to do something and we say, ah, oh, God, we, I don't wanna go do that. And we find something to make us comfortable. Maybe it's your digital TV. Maybe it's a donut. Maybe it's Xbox. Maybe it's, you know, you can fill in the, the blank. Something will make you comfortable so that it takes up your time, it consumes you. And now the enemy's won. Now there's nothing, the enemy doesn't need to do anymore. He's already giving you that, that little bit of comfort so that you don't need to go do God's will. And that happens all over the world. And so I talk to my crew in, in Africa so much about this because Ugandans are afraid of everything. Like, the, like they'll grab the smallest of things, it could be a butterfly, you know, and they're just afraid of it. And so I have this story with a guy named Ernie Adams. Ernie came over, he's from here, you might know him. He was the guy holding the snake in that, um, that video. Ernie Adams came over and he found this chameleon in our front yard and he brought it out and the girls were super excited because chameleons are hard to find. They change color, they uh, move really slow and so you really have to search for them in, in, in the jungle, in the bushes. And so um, he found one and uh, we put it in this mango tree in our front yard. It was, just, it was a small young bush of a tree we put it in there and we kept finding more. We put them in there and pretty soon there's like a hundred of them because they kept multiplying. They're little tiny baby chameleons. And all the Ugandan kids stopped coming to our house. We're like, well, what the heck's going on, you know? And so I asked them, why, why don't you come over? And they said, well, we fear the chameleons, Mr. Jason. I said, what do you mean, fear the chameleons? They said, yeah, the, the witch doctor says that if we touch the chameleon, our eyes are gonna start doing this. And our hands are going to turn like this, and we're going to move really, really slow. And so they had this fear, which was really just ignorance, wasn't it? They just didn't have the knowledge of this small little reptile to pursue, to pursue happiness and joy and, and show how God would do a work in their life. And so now they've come in, and now they got the things crawling all over them. They're laughing, giggling. They, they, now we experiment with how to get the flies in there so they can eat, and it's the coolest thing. Because their eyes have been opened up to truth. So a lot of times we get this fear in the way, which is usually another person. Between you and another person, there's this fear to go forward. But once you do go forward, like those kids love the chameleons now, they love them. You are now gonna start to love these people. But what the fear is for us is that we're gonna conform to this person. The Bible's very clear on it, is it? It says, don't conform to the world, 
conform to Christ. And so what happens is, and, and, and what, what that means is, you're not gonna conform to them, but what happens is, when you get out of your comfort zone and you start to magnify who Christ is, Christ becomes who you are. It becomes this outward appearance and it becomes the finest of details of who you are that wherever you go, you're thinking about things that you never thought about before because God is, is, now, is now moving in a way he never moved before. Amen? Yeah. Now, one thing I've noticed um, since, since we left and came back, we went, into, we went in 2013, came back, and uh, we've seen Grants Pass, we've seen the Rogue Valley a specific way, through a specific set of lenses, and at the time, you know, call it a, a demographic analysis, where you just kind of look at something, assess the youth, the, the, peop- the, the families, the drug use, homicides, family life, functionalities. And now we're back. We're here and things have changed. In the past five years, things have changed in the Rogue Valley. And one thing that I'm afraid about, because I am coming back, me and my family are coming back here to wonderful Grants Pass, is I'm afraid for my kids to grow up in a community that is losing a very big battle. This battle is very, very real. And I want to encourage you and motivate you that we have the opportunity to fight it a different way and to win this battle. But right now, I don't want to discourage you, but we are horribly, miserably losing the battle. We're not just down by a field goal. We are outnumbered and we are losing. It's bad. And it's gonna get worse, it's gonna compound, it's gonna multiply. But I know that we can change the tide. I know that we can move mountains. I know that we're outnumbered, but that doesn't matter. How many stories in the Bible are God's armies outnumbered? But who is it? The underdog, they can't just go into a battle you know, without God. They're always there with God. They're always examining themselves. They're always you know, saying, how can we put on God? How can we have this outward appearance? How can we fight this battle correctly, effectively? And that's what we need to do. And it starts typically in your little bubble of people like Clyde Burquist. It starts with the people around you. It starts within your little world of who you are because I'll tell you what, it becomes contagious. And it will move beyond Edgewater. It'll move beyond the churches of the valley. And it's this wave that sweeps. And if you want to fight this battle, we're not going to fight it with you guys and your weapons and your ammunition. I get it. You're going to fight it with putting on Christ. Through corporate prayer, that's, that's so awesome that we do that. But now we live Monday through Saturday. What are we going to do? We got we to gotta examine ourselves and put on Christ and magnify who he is on a way that will radically change people. Now, when I use the word radical, it just pops in my head, and I got to be careful um, because of time of what words pop in my head. But being radical... Isn't that, isn't that what we want to be? 
Because here, when I think of radical, radical usually, uh, I, I, I assimilate it with Islam, radical Islam, and I've seen it. I've seen it first, first, firsthand. Radical Islam. These people are doing things that are so radical that they're being effective, but they're being effective in a negative way. And that's the biggest difference between Islam and Christianity. It's negativity and positivity. Christ was love. And we can go on and on and on and on and talk about how he showed us how to love. But the question is, are we going to love? Are we gonna love unconditionally, radically, to the point where my, my, my uh, embarrassment, my, my shame, whatever is stopping me from doing it is not, no longer gonna be there, that I'm just going to do it? Because once you do it, you move mountains. You change things. And that's my, my prayer for this place, is in the losing battle, because like I said, I'm coming back. When I come back, I'm, I'm, in, it, I'm in it with you. I'm, you know, right now we're in the trenches, we're backed up against the wall, it's, it's do or die right now, and I'm ready to fight the battle with you. And at times, you know, here I am in Uganda, you know, some people think I'm here to promote Uganda, would love to see you come, would love to see you do things, would love to see you go to the ends of the earth, and a lot of people will come to me and say, Jason, uh, I've been praying that God would send me to the ends of the earth as a missionary, he, you know, I would pray, you know, send me, you know, to Papua New Guinea, send me way over there, and usually it's someplace really warm. Send me over there. I said, well, dude, have you been to Walmart? Have you been to the Gospel Rescue Mission? Oh, well, I thought I would go a lot further than that. It's hard for me to promote something that might not be for you. This might, mission life like this might not be for you, but I'm, I guarantee you that you are a missionary. I'm here to tell you and proclaim it in your life and over you that you can do a work the moment you wake up in your life. Wherever you're at, you can do it. I know people at Walmart don't like to be tapped on the shoulder and you know, have a conversation with, because I've tried. You push through it. You just do it. You'll be surprised when you break through the bitterness that is being held on by someone. Once you break through, you can do a crazy work. And God just is this tidal wave of love. Amen? Let's continue reading in Philippians uh, 23, or 22 and 23. It says, if I am to go on living in the body, this, were, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Paul is just like you and me. Sure, yeah, we, we, he's got this title of apostle, and people call him a super missionary. He is just like you and me, and you can see it because he's torn between the world and his king, his father, Jesus Christ. He's trying to live in both sides, and he's saying, man, I'm just so torn. But he's seen it enough He's seen the truth and he's experienced it to say, ah, but this side is far, far better. Now, we've all been there, haven't we? Maybe it's where, while we take communion or whatever it is, we say, God, we just, I, just, I know what, what this says. I know I want to be there. I want to do it. I want it in my heart. I want you to live in my life. But now is the time to live it every single day. 
There's a guy by the name of Oswald J. Smith. He said, so often us Christians are talking about the second coming of Christ, we forget that half of the world haven't even heard about the first coming. Now, I, I guarantee it he, that he would include the Rogue Valley. Because sure, people have heard the name of Jesus Christ, but the, do they know that he is their savior? Do, do they know that they, that he, why he died for them? Like really, have they wrapped their hand around it? Because it's not easy. And the Bible says not all ears were, will hear, but here we are, not even wanting to share it with them. Not even wanting to show it to them through who we are. I know life is hard, but sometimes life and its hardships get in the way of so many things that God would want us to do. Amen? When we, when we do this, when we start to fight this battle, when we start to move forward, when we understand what it means to, you know, get past our fear, what's going to happen and what is happening is a lot of times the enemy will use a pleasure against you. You will pursue a pleasure, rather, and it will be your thing. And there's a word for it. It's called hedonism. Hedonism means that you, there is a pursuit of endless pleasure, it's a, it's, a, it's a Solomon, David sort of thing where you will look at, you will go after women, drugs, money, whatever you're trying, whatever your pleasure is, you're gonna go after it till the end of your days and it will never be enough. It will never fulfill you. Well, now the other side of the coin, there's a Christian head-on-ism. Christian head-on-ism is where Christ, the spirit, ends up pursuing you and you find pleasure because you have this outward appearance of God. And once you do that, it seems so much easier. And you just want to grab some people sometimes and say, God is in there. The attributes in which he created are inside of you. I want to shake them out. It's so hard sometimes when people won't listen. It's so hard when you are persecuted, you have opposition, when, when, especially when it's within your own family. I encourage you that you're not alone. I encourage you to not give up hope. I encourage you to keep pushing forward. Amen? When I, when I talk about missions, and you guys typically would probably think of Africa because of where I live and stuff, and we leave at 3.30 in the morning, tomorrow morning, to go back home to Africa, and like I said, we'll be back soon to, to work side by side with you. And I'm excited to do that because I see of organizations within our body that are doing very well, that are becoming very healthy and that the church is coming alongside. An organization like Safe Families, an organization that wants to see a dysfunctional family become reconciled and become functional and become healthy, and become God-driven, so to the point where once this young child has passed through what they're going through, they get to an age where they are not bound to the dysfunction that was in their life, but they can move forward, and they can raise their kids correctly, and they can have God, and they can have magnifying in their life, and that's what I'm all about. I'm all about, I'm all about less Ministry, really, because if you think about it, we, we as a church sometimes, we wouldn't have to do so much if we had functionality within our church. 
I love youth. I love working with them. And right now, we actually got an awesome youth program. Our kids are doing so well. But I enjoy it so much more when the parents are doing the work. And they're so functional. They're doing a good job. And it puts a smile on my face. And I enjoy it so much. And that's why I enjoy things like safe families. And so if you say, I get it. I want to do something. We have things for you. There's things here. You could, there's a gal named Amy Vanderveen who heads up Safe Families for Edgewater. You get with her and just say, what can I do? Where do I fit? Let's pray over it. Maybe she doesn't have an answer right here, but let's pray about it and see what God is going to do with you. You don't have to come to Uganda. You don't have to. And it is hard. Maybe some of you need it. Maybe some of you need a slap in the face. So I would say, you know, send me someone and I would probably slap you in the face over there and then hand you the spirit and you would go. But here and now, you got stuff to do. There's, there, you have life, you're living life. And whether you like it or not, you, you know, missionary has got this crazy title and some people are like, ah, missionary and words like evangelism and people don't like the, to hear the word you're a missionary. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a missionary, and you have neighbors, you have people around you, you have workplaces, you have people, and you have potholes. Amen? And you have to understand how to deal with those things as a believer. And I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm so happy to see you in the way things are moving forward. Uh, you, guys, you guys are an incredible group of people that can work together and be united and take on this battle together and not alone. Amen? And so I want to leave you with a, a verse that I like in, in Psalms 96. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. So that means today you have a new song to sing, something that you can, you can look forward to. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all of the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Sing to the Lord and love him. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Confirm and confirm that he is the king among all the nations. And then watch all the brilliant things that his people will do. I love that because it's not, we, we, we hear a lot about God in here and that's great. But I love it when it talks about his people. His people, because I'm excited to come back here and see you guys do, you know, Matt Heverly's word, brilliant Brilliant things. I'm ready to see some of that. And the Bible says that you guys are going to do marvelous things, incredible things. But first, we have to examine ourselves. Even now, we're going to go into communion. In that time, you can look at, you know, God, what, what do I need to pick apart? How do I want to show the best of the best of who I am? How do I show it to the community? And I pray that now is a time for us to show him in a way that the community has never seen. Amen? And I know it's a, it can be a foggy season, and I hope you enjoyed the sunshine yesterday, because I did, but in, this is the hardest time. This is a depressing time. When you put that on, people look at you, and I'll tell you what, they, they no longer see the fog. And that's what I want to see in our community. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Edgewater Christian Fellowship. Thank you so much for the community that you have planted me in with the brothers and sisters and a family. Thank you so much, Lord, that there is work to do here. I thank you that you've planted so many seeds and I pray that those seeds germinate and soon grow up and produce fruit. I thank you and I pray for the leaders of Edgewater Christian Fellowship, Lord. 
I know for a fact that they seek you daily, and I pray, Lord, that you will reveal yourself to them in a way that is supernatural, that is extremely clear, that when money is to be spent or prayers are to be made or you know, ministries are to be worked with, Lord, I pray that you do a work in who we are. I thank you so much for this building that you are building, Lord, a new home for us. I pray that the foundation as it's being laid will be a foundation of Jesus Christ and we declare it this day that it'll be a safe haven, a refuge for the lost and the weak, a place for people to seek refuge that, that are up against the world because our building and our body, we're showing and shining you, we're magnifying you. I thank you for everyone. I thank you for our volunteers. I thank you for the people who serve here. I thank you so much, Lord, that I am a part of this body. I thank you that I'm an extension. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.